2: This is
3: the Tom Hartman Program. The rally tolls are stacking up in Tulsa. Herman Cain died. Many people got sick. In Minnesota, at least three rallies by Trump and Pence have led to explosions, to clusters of COVID infections in Omaha. 30 people needed medical attention because they were left out in the freezing cold. In Tampa, dozens of people went to the hospital for medical attention due to the heat. It's getting bizarre out there. Tuesday is election day. More people have now voted in Hawaii and Texas than in the entire 2016 election. I've been saying this for several days now, but if you have not voted yet, if you have not mailed in your ballot, it is too late to mail in your ballot. In fact, in Pennsylvania in particular, at the start of the year, only 7% of first-class mail in the state of Pennsylvania, actually, only 7% of mail failed to meet this five-day standard of taking five days to deliver mail, maximum. This is from PennLive.com. It's one of the local newspapers in Pennsylvania. In Philadelphia, 42% of all first-class mail is taking longer than five days to deliver. 42%. It was 7% at the beginning of the year. This is, you know, Louis DeJoy and Donald Trump trying to kneecap the post office so that your vote won't be counted. So if you're planning on voting... Take it in physically. Take your ballot in if you got a mail-in ballot. Take it. Don't do not trust anything to the mail right now. Margie in Millerstown, Pennsylvania. Hey, Margie, what's up?
4: Hey, I was um, watching the uh, Trump rally in Florida, and uh, he had them all around up. Marlena spoke today, so he's on cloud nine, and he's peppier than ever. Of course, uh, Antifa came up, as it always does at his rally. He actually compared. They all screamed and carried on about Antifa, and he said, no, and, and Joe Biden just, says they're an idea then he said come to think of it the United States is just an idea and then they all screamed and carried on about that I just don't know if I can wait till Tuesday I am so (laughs) upset about this man and I continue to keep watching him because the more that comes out of his mouth the more unbelievable it is I just don't see how somebody like him Con artist and despicable person that he is can continue to have these people screaming and thinking he's wonderful. They're holding our well, whole country. If, if you want to
3: understand feet. why and how that, that is, Margie, you have to watch Fox News, which I don't recommend. Well, yeah, it's not I good do. for your mental health. I, but, I, I'm, yeah, back but, and, I'm back and forth with them. But, Margie, so, if I can, let me tell you what. Trump says the United States is just an idea. He's actually right the thing that differentiates us from, say, Russia, or us from, say, Sweden, or us from, you know, any other country. I mean, you know, basically, you know, we all have an economy, we all have a currency, we all have a government, we all have manufacturing, we all have consumer economies, we all have churches and religions and all kinds of stuff like that. But what really makes the difference is the idea of how we govern ourselves, the ideals that we hold the values that we hold. And in the United States, the values that we claim to hold are those that were claimed to be the beacons of the Enlightenment and of the founding of the United States, albeit wildly, imperfectly acted out during the first hundred years of our republic and continuing to be not completely acted out today. But still, these are the ideals that we point to. And other countries point to different ideals. You know, hey, we believe in strong men, or we think that security and safety is more important than liberty, or we don't believe that dissenting voices should be allowed to appear on the et etc. Sadly, Trump apparently gets that. And so what is he doing? He's going after the idea of America. He's trying to change our core understanding of who we are. And we can't let him get away with that. Jeff in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind?
5: Thank you and your staff for keeping us informed and prepared for these battles at hand. Besides presenting their plans to uh, address all the crises that Congresswoman Jaipal outlined, and contrasting those plans versus Trump's catastrophic failures, I think I think part of Biden and Harris's closing arg- argument should be using Trump's own words against him when he when he gave away the game, saying the more people vote, the more Republicans will never win. That should be a, a railing cry on our side. What do you think about Ralph Nader's idea of a quick? formed bipartisan movement that calls for a grace period of a week or two allowing all the votes
3: to be counted before declaring a winner i think it's a great idea it's too late to do it now it's not something that the republicans would ever support you know legislatively but you know i think it's a great idea daniel in detroit michigan hey daniel what's on your mind today
6: just watching good morning america 3 and uh the secretary of state of alabama was on there The anchor asked him, you know, why did the Supreme Court side with you on banning drive-through voting? And he said that, well, drive-through voting is illegal, so therefore, you know, we we want to side with anything that's illegal and stop it. But wouldn't that, you know, kind of conflict with Americans with Disabilities Act and their right to vote? Uh, What's the legalities behind drive-through voting possibly being illegal? (laughs) You know, what's he getting at?
3: Yeah, you know, he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. I mean, part of that lawsuit specifically had to do with the Americans with Disabilities Act. What we're seeing here is that the courts have been so politicized by this forty-year effort by Leonard Leo and the billionaires who who support him. It has become so seriously politicized. You know, we no longer have justices, at least on the Supreme Court. And at least particularly among the conservative justices, and we no longer have justices who are actually ruling on the merits of the law. They're ruling on what's best for which political party or what what comports with whose political ideology. And, you know, this is the result of, uh, you know, the Supreme Court itself kind of brought this on itself back in the early 70s in 76 and 78 Mm -hmm. with the Buckley decision and the First National Bank decision, the Bellotti decision. Um, where they said that, you know, if if, uh, billionaires want to own politicians or own the political process or even own an entire political party, that's just called free speech. And so the billionaires Mm. went from owning politicians to now owning judges. I mean, it was just predictable. And, And, you know, and they own a good chunk of the Supreme Court as well. So, you know, it's it, we've got we've got a lot of work to do, Daniel. We've got a lot of you yeah. know, fixing to do here, and uh, hopefully we can get to it. Daniel, thank you for the call. It's a great question. Hey, uh, Jesus in McAllen, Texas. Hey, Jesus, what's up? Hey, greetings from deep south Texas. How have the Republicans and Mitch
7: McConnell been able to appoint so many federal judges? What tactics have they used
8: that perhaps Biden and the Democrats can use the strategy that
3: they that they used was that during the last 4 years of the obama presidency mcconnell slowed down the approval of federal judges through the court. actually throughout the entire 8 years of the obama presidency mcconnell uh, to the extent that mcconnell could uh, you know or i guess it would be the last 6 years that mcconnell was running the senate cuz uh, Schumer ran it up until, up until the you know, up until the end of the second year of the Obama presidency, but, uh, you know, 2010. But in that wave of 2010, the Republicans took the Senate back. And so by slow-walking judges, and then during the last two years, the Obama presidency, absolutely obstructing all of them, as people were retiring from the federal bench or dying and, you know, these seats were becoming available, McConnell wasn't filling them. It got so bad that about a year before before the election of uh, 2016, you know, back in 2015, maybe even late 2014, John Roberts, the chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, wrote an open letter to the Senate basically saying, we have a crisis across the federal courts because we have too few judges. And you, you got to start approving judges. McConnell was like, "Nope, we're not going to do it." And so, when Trump came into office, the day that he came into office, there were, I, I believe, almost two hundred uh, federal judgeships open. Certainly more than hundred, and they were just sitting there waiting because, uh, you know, Obama had nominated people. For example, uh, Obama had nominated for the ninth, or for the seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. Obama had nominated an extraordinarily qualified black woman to be a justice on that court. I'm sorry, I don't recall her name right off the top of my head. But, um, but McConnell not only refused to hold a hearing on that judge, but he held that seat open so that Trump could put Amy Coney Barrett in that seat, who up to that point had just been a lawyer and a professor, you know, of, of right-wing law. And uh, had never tried a case. I mean, she, Amy Coney Barrett has literally never tried a case as a lawyer, and she's only been a judge for for three years because McConnell, you know, stole that seat from a, an Obama appointee and gave it to gave it to her. So, I mean, this is how they've been doing it, you know, in a in a big way, Jesus. And and um, it's it's a testimonial, I suppose, to Mitch McConnell's. Uh, patience and persistence and tenacity, and I think the Democrats need to take take you know learn the lesson from that and and you know uh, get some spine of their own and, and and hopefully they can they can do that. Thanks a lot for the call, Jesus. Nancy in Springfield. Hey, Nancy, what's up?
0: You keep talking about having the right to vote, and that is well mm-hmm. and good. But then we also, on top of that, need to have the right to ca- have our vote counted because people who did the provision of ballots that were thrown out uh you know thought they would voted and had you know thought their vote was counted but it wasn't um i guess in pennsylvania you have to use the secrecy envelope to have your vote counted which um i know here in oregon which is
3: optional is, here yeah
0: it's optional it says right on the envelope that it's optional but it, you know um so i think there's we need to have some way um to have our you know the rest of the vote counted. and i know um I I read okay so what if I mess up on my vote so I went and read on online that here in Oregon if there's a problem with your vote they send you a letter and you have 14 days to get back to them uh, you know to fix it and I was just thinking my brother right. broke his arm in August and if he'd broken it you know like right before the 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 um our votes came
3: um you know he wouldn't have been able to sign his his um Oh, yeah, his envelope. Yeah. Did you see, Nancy, that in in Miami-Dade County, 23 percent of mail-in ballots are being rejected because people didn't sign the outside of the envelope? This is something that's pretty universal. I, I believe it's in every state that you have to sign the outside of the envelope because that's how they confirm your signature. That's that's the way that's the equivalent of showing ID. That's your proof that you're you. And I remember when we moved to Oregon back when Louise and I first moved here, like, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago and and I voted by mail. and and I remember. Not wanting to sign the back of that envelope. I mean, do I want my signature going through the mail? It seems awful public to me. And but I signed it because it said you have to sign it. And but but I thought why? You know. Now I understand exactly why. I mean, that's you know, it's the equivalent of signing and registering. You know, when you go to vote. Um, but a, a right to have your vote counted, and Nancy. Thank you for the call. A right to have your vote counted would be implicit in a right to vote. Um, you know, obviously, having the right to cast your vote is part of a right to vote, but, but having your vote counted as well. So that's why I think that we need, at the very least, a law that explicitly says that, although I think the Motor Voter Act does. But uh, even better would be a an explicit constitutional amendment that says that, you know, we have a right to vote and it shall not be removed, taken away from us. Chuck in Ukiah, California. Hey, Chuck, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today?
6: yeah what is the exact definition of the words narcissist and the word grifter
3: a okay. narcissist is a person who essentially is in love with themselves you know it's based on narcissus, the uh... i, I believe it was a greek character who was so in love with his own reflection in the in the pond he kept staring at it and trying to kiss it that he eventually fell in and drowned as i recall if i'm remembering the story right uh... so a narcissist is a person who who uh, loves themselves and a grifter Is a person who makes their living by conning people.
5: How can a
6: judge in Michigan overturn a ban allowing people to openly carry weapons into a polling place? How is that possible? It's illegal, it's insane. How is that possible?
3: This goes back to the Heller decision, where Scalia, desperate to come up with a "defend your home" argument for owning weapons, you know, to redefine the Second Amendment. Because there was no discussion back, or very little discussion back in the day, about defending your home with your gun, and so he went back and he he found this uh, document from an anti-federalist and in, in an opposition of uh, the Pennsylvania ratifying the convention. It was from 1787 or 88, and it was, uh, or maybe even 89, and it was you know one of the anti-federalists talking about you know guns to protect their home, and he used that as the cornerstone or as a piece of justifying the Heller decision saying that, uh, you know, because because I was able to find this thing, uh, that means that, uh, you know, uh, we should uh, legalize gun ownership. So what they did is they created this right, the right to own a gun. And as I was talking with uh, Pramil Jayapal the day before yesterday, because the United States Supreme Court has ruled that, uh, Chuck, you and I have a right to own a gun, uh, we can walk into a gun store and say, I'll take that one right there. And the gun store owner cannot say, you know, I don't like the way you look or I don't like all your facial hair or, you know, I, I, I'm, I think I think there's something suspicious about you. It looks like you haven't changed your clothes in six months or or uh, or, you know, anything. You know, they cannot deny us that gun. And if they do, we can sue them and take them to court and punish them for denying us the right to have a gun. On voting, it's the exact opposite. If, you know, if the state wants to take away my vote, they just do it. Uh, just like you know, the state can't take away my gun without going to court, they can take away my vote. And uh, so what this, what this uh, court decision is saying is basically you have a right to a gun, and if you have a right to a gun and you can carry that gun anywhere, that would include polling places. That's the, the logical extension. Um, We also should have a right to vote. Frankly, I don't think that we should have a right to own a gun. I I don't see that in the Constitution, but that's just, you know, separate argument. But if we had a right to vote, then when Brian Kemp or Greg Abbott or, uh, you know, Mike DeWine or any of these Republican governors want to throw a couple hundred thousand of us off the voting rolls, they would have to go to court on each single one of those cases and prove that we don't, we're not legitimately on the voting rolls. And uh, that, I think, is the, the, you know, where we really should be focusing our attention, is, is passing the 28th Amendment to say that every citizen who has achieved the age of majority, every citizen who's 18 years of age or over in the United States, has an absolute federally protected right to vote. Tom Hartman here with you. Tom in Marquette, Michigan. Hey, Tom, what's on your mind today? I'm calling for guidance
5: for people who go to a polling place where we're required to wear a
7: mask, and on the mask is some candidate's name. What can we mm-hmm. do as an individual in that case? And is it legal to photograph them?
3: Yeah. It, well, that will vary from state to state. Election laws are almost entirely state laws across the United States. You know, a, a remnant of our federalism well, really a remnant of the southern states wanting to be able to control, you know, who could vote based on the color of their skin at the founding of the republic. But that said, I doubt that somebody in your polling place wearing a mask that says Trump on it is going to change anyone's vote or saying Biden on it for that matter. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. In that case, then rather than picking a fight or rather than going to the elections officials and saying, I want to complain or rather than even wasting your time with it, I would just ignore it.
9: OK, but it's a whole different thing. To... If you've
3: got somebody outside passing out literature or, you know, I mean, you know, doing electioneering. But if somebody's right. got a Trump mask on, you know, yeah, technically it's illegal, but it's not worth the fight and it's not going to change anybody's vote. It's just, you know, they're just there to okay. own the libs. So don't get owned. Just sure. you know, laugh at them.
7: I understand, but I, but what I'm going to ask next is, given that it's a your vote is supposed to be private, is it okay to film outside of the polling place or inside it with your camera?
3: That will depend on the state that you're in, and I don't know the laws in the state of Michigan. Um, yeah. Some states, okay. you know, make it illegal to take pictures inside; other states don't. Uh, some states have, you know, it, it, different limits on the outside, you know, how, how many feet away you have to be, what defines electioneering, all those kind of things. So for that, the, the answer to that question, Tom, either call your local board of elections, although they may be kind of swamped right now, uh, or call your uh, local Democratic Party, and they should be able to direct you to somebody who knows the answer to that, uh, to that question. Okay. So uh, thanks for the call, Tom. I got to run. Uh, Samuel in Santa Ana. Hey, Samuel, what's up?
10: Hey, Tom. Uh, yeah, I'm a shareholder in KPFK, a whole one share of stock. Uh, Good so on you. This, yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, go KPFK. Um, you're familiar. This this is very important. You're familiar with Rock the Vote?
3: Uh, rock the Vote, V-O-T-E, right.
10: Right. Okay. They're, they're famous. They're like, uh, okay, if you're familiar with me, then I'm, I'm going to go on. I, I figured out a way that we can get the election on Election Day along with all the covid disgruntled Republicans. And on mm-hmm. Rock the Vote, they actually tell the different IDs that are necessary for each state, for anybody who's confused. And um, mm-hmm. it's um, if you go to rockthevote.org, how to vote, and then go to nationwide voting info, and then go to voter ID laws, they list whatever is necessary in your state. It's comprehensive. And the, the the thing that I'm pushing myself, of course, is and you and I spoke about this one time before was about passports, and I found out since in our previous conversation that 42 percent of the population just happens to own a passport. So uh, if no, people,
3: it's nowhere like, near that high, Samuel. It's it's more like four or five percent of the U.S. population.
10: No, I actually read um, this was in, in uh, I think Forbes, and there were a number of of, of things on it. It's gone up uh, a lot because people now have to have them to go to Mexico and Canada.
3: Oh, interesting. So, you, you okay. Yeah, research. my 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 numbers are probably a decade old. You may you may be right. I don't, I don't that's interesting.
10: Yeah, it's a, it's okay. really a big deal now and I was telling the gentleman that's on on wednesdays about it and he thought it would be like a poll tax because, you know, so few people would have it. And then when I did the research, right. I found three credible sources that said it. So anyway, um, yeah. If we go to, uh, to rockthevote.org, go to how to vote and nationwide voting info and voting idea laws, we can do that. We're going to have all these disgruntled COVID uh, uh, Republican people. I honestly, honestly believe, Tom. I'm not just blowing smoke up your pants. I honestly believe that on the night of the election or the next day that this thing is going to be called.
3: I think you're right, Samuel. And uh, in my most optimistic moments, I think it's going to be an absolute blowout, a wipeout. You know, Democrats are going to, you know, seize elected offices all across the United States in all kinds of ways. And it'll be just a wonderful thing. Now, that said, (laughs) I'm taking nothing for granted. You know, we've got, uh, you know. Uh, we got a Supreme Court that that is making it harder for us to vote. We've got Republicans filing lawsuits in state after mm. state after state. We've got all kinds of wacky rules like in Texas, only, you know, one drop box for four million people in Harris County because, you oh, yeah. know, because of Greg Abbott, the, your cranky governor. I mean, it's just it, it, I'm taking nothing for granted, but I am very hopeful that you have nailed it and that we've got... Uh, Uh, Some really good stuff coming. Samuel, thanks for the call. Ed in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Hey, Ed, what's on your mind today?
6: We've been watching all the polls on the news. You know, showing that Biden has a lead. You know, in some states more than others. My fear is that you know, people who live in the states where you know Biden is leading, they're going to get complacent with that lead and not show up to vote. I think not only does Trump need to lose, he needs to lose by as many votes as possible. So, Um, I just want to get. The message out that, you know, if you're in a state where Biden's going to win, vote anyway, because we need to kick Trump's ass into the ground as far as we can and, you know, make a statement just by not only making him lose, but lose by the biggest margin in the history.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. His ass metaphorically. But yes, I, I am yeah. totally with you. And, you know, if you have not voted, get out there and vote. It's too late to mail in your ballot. If you've got a mail-in ballot, take it with you. And, you know, again, rules vary from state to state, but take it with you. Um, Somebody mentioned a passport earlier. Passports don't have your address on them, so be sure if you're going to bring a passport as proof of your citizenship that you bring other ID that has an address on it. Um, And check your state laws, in fact. When when Louise and I moved to Washington, D.C., I literally had to go home twice um, and come back with more ID to vote the first time I, we'd lived in Washington, DC. First I, you know, they said, Oh, you don't have a Social Security card, so I went home and got that. And then I came back and then, oh, you don't have a utility bill, so I went home and got that. And it came, don't make my mistake. Get prepared. Kurt in Chicago. Hey Kurt, thanks for listening to WCPT. What's up?
2: Tom, I've uh, been listening for about four years now and as you say democracy is not a spectator sport. I have to thank you. You have inspired me to get off my keister. I am going to be an election judge on Tuesday. I want to make sure. Hey, everyone good on wants you, Kurt. Thank you. Thank you. I owe it to you, brother. man. give yourself a cheer? Okay.
3: Yeah, That's no, great. I want to make That's sure great. everyone so, that can vote gets to vote. Yeah. So, Kurt, just as a public service here, very briefly, tell people how you did that and how they can do it.
2: Well, I, I went online to the um, Chicago, uh, I'm sorry, Cook County Board of Elections, and I just had to put in my name, my address, was um, I registered to vote, my telephone number, and I I signed up relatively late in the game. Um, and I had a response within two weeks, and it was, it was that simple. They do check, make sure you're eligible to vote, and from there you become a judge. Um, there's a... Uh, About a four-hour training class that um, this year was done online. Um, Real simple, you watch videos, answer um, questions. You have to score 80% on the
3: questions. And Mm -hmm. from there, I was good to go. That is great. That is great. Kurt, thank you so much for the call and for the encouragement and for being a great role model and example to everybody else who's listening. Good on you. Uh, Dylan in uh, Shoe, Texas. Hey, Dylan, what's on your mind today?
1: Hey, Tom, how's it going? I listen to your show every day uh, at work. But today I took off work because I'm going to vote for the last day of early hey, good in- on in you, Texas. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I voted every single election of course but this one obviously is a big one and um you know i'm over here in the in the red sea there's nothing nothing but trump flags trump signs it's bleeding red over here and it's it's just horrible i would be surprised if any of these counties go blue up in the panhandle of texas but uh, i grew up in austin austin texas so that's um where i get my my blue blood from you know it's like night and day, but I see a lot of diversity in this country, for sure, going from the city to the country. And I heard you talk yeah. about this a couple months ago, Tom, and um, and uh, I really thought about it. I respect it, and I, it might come down to, I think it might be a good idea, that every single state, if Trump happens to win again, I think Biden's going to win, for sure, popular vote. But if Trump ends up winning by cheating, which he is, obviously— it might have to come down to every single state just being its own country. And and we get all the people in Texas that vote Trump and all those people, just put them in their southern corner of this, you know, the country, Alabama, Tennessee, Louisiana, all those states. They can be their own countries, and then we can have the West Coast, and we can have the Northeast, and we can have the countries just by state. And then, then people might be able to see by then that, you know, you can only progress. If we keep on moving forward, not keep on dragging us backward, because we're we're dragging along these, the smart people are dragging along the the Kentuckys that are not paying their taxes fully. All these small little states that we're giving them, that we just keep on feeding them, feeding them, feeding them, and they just they don't want to move. They're yeah. just it,
3: yeah. we're not yeah. going anywhere. With I think them. though, Dylan, it would be so it would be so sad. It would be so unfortunate if our country was torn apart because these. Uh, right-wing billionaires for the last 50 years ha- have been funding this program to basically tear us apart to, you know cause us to hate each other um, to, to, yeah. to, to, uh, purely to increase their own wealth and power and no, I, you very, know if they were to succeed true. in that I would I'd be re- I be I would be seriously bummed out but Dylan, good on you for but, voting yeah, and look, and thank look, you for the look call at
1: and, though, Tom. You look at you, you know, Tom, all those countries are progressing and they're united together, European Union. If we do it, united the United States, for every single country, then you can get the anti-federalists. You can get the anti-federalists. Well,
3: we're seeing a certain amount of that right now, Dylan. I mean, you've got states that are going their own way on everything from abortion to food stamps to, to, to Medicare uh, or Medicaid, rather. You know, compare Louisiana to California. I think that, you know, it's 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 uh, it's fairly apparent. Richard, thank you for the call. Alejandro in Miami, Florida. Hey, Alejandro, what's up?
1: Hello, Tom Harmon. I just wanted to let you know that uh, I, I heard your story today about the, you know, 22% of Miami-Dade ballots weren't counted by the city because they didn't sign the envelope. And that's, you know, very true. I mean, I mine was counted last week. You know, I sent it in two Saturdays ago, and it was counted last week Wednesday. At least by Thursday, I saw it was counted. And I definitely had to sign it in the back. Great. And I, I do share your concern about the, the whole public um, information thing, because on the on the envelope, in order to contact you, they they told you, oh, until so you write your contact information, you know, your, your name, your phone number, like your cell phone or home number, and an email address. And, of course, I was reluctant to do that only because anyone could see that, that information and, of course, my privacy concerns. But, of course, then I'm worried about if I don't put it, then they're not going to contact me back. So, you know, obviously that's something to, you know, consider. Yeah. You
3: know? And, and, and Alejandro, let's, you know, uh, I mean, we all need to take a chill pill here. Uh, that's an old expression from the 80s. <laughs> Sorry about that. But anyway, we all need to, you know, relax a little about this. I mean, the fact, and, and as I said, I, I was nervous about signing my envelope the first time I did it. Um, but you have to do that. But, uh, you know, then I thought, you know, now I'm looking at this and thinking, the only people who are going to see that my signature or my email address or my, you know, actually here in Oregon, they print your address on the outside in addition to your signature so that they can look it up, see who you are, make sure that you're registered to vote. Your phone number's not there, your your email address, but, you know, your address is there. Uh, but, you know, who's going to see that? It's going to be my mail carrier who already knows my address and knows who I am and actually. knows a lot more intimate details than that because they know everything I get in the mail. And yeah. and and whoever receives it on the other end, uh, you know, who's counting the votes, you know, the, the state secretary of state people. And they don't care. I mean, you know, they've already got that information, too. And in between, it's going through sorting machines and stuff. And I don't think anybody's going to pull it out and write it down or anything like that. So I'm really not worried about that. But yeah, but I get what you're saying. And I think the important message is and, and, you know, obviously it's too late to mail any and Alejandro. Thank you for the call. It's too late to mail anything in right now. So you've got to deliver it in person but in most states even when you deliver it in person if you're taking an absentee ballot you have to sign the outside of the envelope so don't forget will in eli minnesota hey will what's up
6: trump has never committed to graciously leaving the white house or even ungraciously leaving it he's never committed to accepting the results of the election my question is what happens if the day comes when biden is unquestionably declared the winner And Trump still declines to accept it and refuses to leave the White House.
3: Noon on January 20th, his nuclear codes will become inactive. His access to people and information will stop. I would be surprised if he has to be physically removed. I think a much more likely scenario, Will, is that he's going to refuse to acknowledge the defeat um... and and you know there's precedent for that uh... stacy abrams has never acknowledged being defeated in georgia because she believes and i think rightly so uh... that you know uh, brian Kemp stole the election you know the he was secretary of state and and you know refused to put people on the voting rolls and purge people from the voting rolls so, you know, I think Trump will probably say, you know, I'm not going to acknowledge this. I'm not going to concede. I'm not going to give a concession speech. And, and I don't think he's going to show up for the for the inauguration of, of Joe Biden. Um, I'm I, I'm also thinking that there's a probably a fairly high possibility that he's just going to say, OK, that's it and leave the White House, you know, in November or maybe December and just, you know, move to move back to New York City or move to Florida or whatever, continue being president. I, I continue to think that he may make Mike Pence uh, president for, like, the last week of his presidency so that Pence can do the ceremonial stuff and Pence can pardon, you know, the entire Trump crime family. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm, and, and, you know, and then he's going to go on to his next money-making scheme because that's all he ever does is, you know, that's his metric for everything is how do you make money off this? And I think, frankly, he's going to either buy one of the marginal right-wing television networks or try to create his own. Um, but he's got a, you know, he's got this huge list of rubes. I had four emails from the Trump campaign asking for money this morning, in the first five hours of the day, between 5 a.m. and 10 a.m. this morning when I got up uh, at five. You know, until until uh, you know about a, two hours ago, I got five emails from the Trump campaign asking for money. That money is not going to pay for ads. That money is going into the pockets of Donald Trump. I would bet anything. So, Will, uh, I think that's, you know, that's what he's he's got to figure out. He's got all these names. How can he squeeze more cash out of them? You're
2: listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives.
3: And I think in his mind, the answer is to basically get all those people to pay him 50 bucks a year, or 100 bucks a year to subscribe to an online television network. We'll see. Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure Equal Opportunity Lender NMLS 1717824 Terms and
0: conditions apply Visit figure.com for more information For licensing information go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org
3: And welcome back Norman in Portland Oregon Hey Norman what's up I'm concerned that right after the election we will maybe start seeing
11: tons of people moving away from where they are, especially in big areas like L.A. and New York where they are high costs and that this will devalue properties that much more and devalue rent. And, and maybe we can persuade the banks, et cetera, that it's in their interest to make sure that whether it's a Republican or a Democrat to pass these uh, bills for uh, $2,000 now universal basic income and the uh, PUA, you know, CARES Act so that before the end of the year, so that people maybe can get money back and not feel like they have to make these kind of moves quickly, right? And I think if it's going to happen, people will not have the incentive to stay here after election when they don't have to worry about voting anymore.
3: Yeah. In, in, the, in response to the last caller, um, I was kind of pontificating or prognosticating, I guess, seeing the future of what Trump might do. I think another dimension of that, Norman, is that Donald Trump is a destroyer. He calls himself a builder, and yeah, he builds buildings, um, but he's also a destroyer. He loves destroying things, particularly things that he hates or he's angry with. And Mm -hmm. if he loses this election, when he loses this election, God willing. He's going to be seriously pissed off and he's going to want to do the old biblical thing of, you know, you don't just conquer a people, but after you do, you pour salt into their soil so that their crops won't grow. Uh, He's going to do everything he can to destroy this country, I believe. And part of that is going to be is going to be to refuse to allow any sort of support to go to average Americans who just voted him out of office, Um, you know, any kind of uh, coronavirus support or subsidy or anything like that. He's just going to fight it you know I don't know and 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 I whether the Republicans in the Senate will go along with him is going to be the big question yeah
11: you know my sister's even leaving you know l a to go to you know to central you know State, she says a lot of people are leaving l a right now and I think it's just yeah. going to pick up even heavier right after the election and like I said I think the banks you know, bank people and you know their property owners and real estate agencies they might they probably should realize that know their value their property depends upon you know basically making sure people get money in their hands again to make sure their rents don't go down because it's just going to get worse for them too yeah the way that that the way that the the way that the
3: trump administration has softened the the lobbying and public uh pressure from the banking sector um with regard to Things like you know, because the bank, as you correctly point out, the banksters know they're not going to get their credit cards paid, they're not going to get their mortgages paid, they're not going to get their money back on their on their on their you know home equity loans, they're not going to get anything if people don't have the money to pay them, and therefore giving people a stimulus is an indirect way of supporting the banksters. Um, But you know what Trump has done, and the Fed is doing is just pouring money into the banksters. I mean, they're you know these these uh, you know the Fed in particular. Um, you know, offering banks zero interest, functionally zero interest loans, right. um, you know, odd infinitum, and now buying stock, I mean, they're actually buying stock in banks. I mean, you know, it's, uh, or buying, excuse me, buying bonds from banks. They, 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 may well be buying the stocks from the banks. I've never seen an actual list of the companies that they're buying stock from, but I understand uh, almost all of them are publicly traded. They've finessed the politics of it, but I don't know how long they can hold it together on. I mean, we'll see. But I suspect that after the election, when there's a clear winner, if that clear winner is the Democrat, God willing, we're going to see a lot of change in that, a lot of change. Max in Clackamas, Oregon. Hey, Max, what's up?
6: Mail and ballot. I had some trouble with mine. I filled it out, placed it in the outgoing mail in my mailbox. Several hours later, my neighbor actually came up and handed my ballot back to me she had gotten it delivered in the mail to her house oh i don't think it was anything nefarious i I just just know that um just an accident and with so much outgoing political mail and all the flyers that are going out these days it just messes up in the bag but my point is please make sure if you do vote by mail double check with your county i know multnomah county has a like an online uh voter or vote acceptance text that they can send you saying that they got your ballot so just double check the male people are surely overwhelmed right now, but every vote counts.
3: And it's, you know, yeah. find a way to vote one yeah, way or I'm, another. We have to. I'm, I'm with you, Max. And and when you get your, well, it's a little late now for Oregon, but, you know, for future reference, when you get your ballot, there's actually a little uh, printout in there that tells you how to sign up to get those, uh, those alerts that your ballot has been received in county, or if there's a problem with it that you can fix. Max, thank you. Thank you very much, and thanks for watching us on YouTube. Pete in Dunbury, Wisconsin. Hey Pete, what's up? Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, and
7: it's gerrymandering. Okay, go for it. Wisconsin is the most gerrymandered state in the country. And really? if anyone has trouble believing the real effects of it, go to the website We the Irrelevant.com.
8: Okay. This group
7: files freedom of information requests with every member of the Wisconsin legislature um, on totals of people calling in to either support or oppose pending legislation. A couple years ago, during the lame duck session, when they stripped the governor of a bunch of his abilities and the attorney general because they were both now going to be Democrats. The calls were 97% opposed. Right. But they did it anyway because they are in such safe gerrymandered districts. It doesn't matter.
3: And because the Koch network told them to do it. I mean, these yeah. the, the Wisconsin was the big test site for Charles yeah. Koch and his yeah. buddies. And, you know, just pouring money into one particular Midwestern state to see if they could turn it from reliably Democratic, one of the most progressive states in the country, to reliably Republican. Yeah. And, uh, you an know, it worked for a while. You know, and, we'll see if it sticks. And we've,
7: got a, we've got the Democratic governor, and every time he tries to do something to deal with the COVID problem, Voss and Fitzgerald, the uh, Senate and Assembly leaders, just refuse to go along and they take them to court when all they had to do was gavel into session to overturn it but they'd rather do have somebody else take them to court so it can't be that they did it but they refused to come into session to even discuss things that the state of wisconsin can do to help us because do you know what
3: percentage of your house and senate are up for re-election is it is it all of them is a uh, typically the house is up for reelection every every two years and the senate is either four or six years in most states yeah. but i i don't know how it's done in wisconsin what is what is the I, deal there
7: i do not i do that i do not know unfortunately okay. i well, i and, know and voter turnout my... is,
3: is huge so hopefully the, you know the current partisan nature of those bodies will change forgive me uh, yeah. finish your thought.
7: doubtful because of the gerrymandering and Mm. the governor evers has appointed a citizens redistricting committee that is comprised of there are no members of the legislature there are no lobbyists there are no elected officials there are no members of any political parties and they are citizens appointed by the governor, and they are holding meetings in every county to gather input on what they would like to see for the next redistricting. And, of course, Boss and Fitzgerald are claiming that is a naked
3: partisan power grab. <laughs> it's called grabbing e- back. <laughs> but
7: yeah, even, okay. even though in 2010 the redistricting done was done by a law firm With zero Democratic members' input, and the only Republican members who could see what was going on had to swear an oath of secrecy that they wouldn't discuss it until after it was released but that's not a naked partisan power grab no 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 right. no. just having the citizens no, no, no. Have you know, put, yeah you know? these
3: these guys i think in order to run for republican political office in wisconsin or anywhere in the country actually your middle name has to be hypocrisy i'm with you pete thanks for the call andy uh, from wisconsin to wisconsin you're in river falls wisconsin what's up hey tom how are you good good um you know i was i was wondering
6: why they don't have an iq test for you know the president for you know before you can run well you that's, know, that's I, the point of know, elections
3: <clears throat> what, go ahead i said that's the point of elections i mean you know when georgians for example saw john Ossoff just peel the bark off of uh, David Perdue uh, a couple of days ago. You know, they I think they got it. You know, Asa's pretty bright. Perdue's kind of dumber than a stump.
1: <laughs>
6: yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, I know. But
1: I, I guess uh, it, to me, it, it just seems like, you know, you have to take tests to be, you know, a, a pilot. You have to, you know, all these different things, right.
6: you know. But all it takes to be president is just a big chunk of money,
11: you know.
3: Yeah, Which the one, the, you know, I, I'm, I'm real reluctant to have any government or any agency say we're going to put a barrier before somebody can become elected to political office, um, because that yeah. then cre- creates a system that can be manipulated. The one variable, the one, the one where I may uh, uh, waver on that is uh, security clearances. Uh, I'm I'm of the opinion that if a president can't get a security clearance, they probably shouldn't be in the race. But again, I don't think that should be a federal requirement. I think the political parties, the Democratic and Republican parties, should make these uh, absolute requirements that prior to uh, handing their nomination for president to any candidate, that person has to demonstrate that they can get they can pass an FBI security check. Uh, Andy, thanks for the call. Um, Because we got a guy in the White House right now who there's no way he could have passed a security check. And he's been passing our secrets on to other people for four years now. Marie in Atlanta. Hey, Marie, what's on your mind today? Hey, thanks
12: for taking my call. My subject today is voter suppression. You had an earlier caller who was asking about being able to record uh, audio or video or take pictures in a polling place, um, and right. and you responded that um, that depends upon state law. In Georgia, it is illegal to uh, audio or video record, um, and the way that they do it is the the signs are positioned just outside the polling place and it actually works to assist in voter suppression because if you go to the counter, right, you walk into the polling place and you go to the counter to check in, that person, and I've had it happen to me, um, can engage in all kinds of bad behavior. I had one who was basically trying to bully me and um, I have no proof of it. I have absolutely, uh, there was, you couldn't video um, I didn't it, have somebody. I couldn't videotape it, and now, whenever I go to vote, I take a witness to stand right next to me, because otherwise, wow. I have no proof.
3: Wow. And this is one that's, of those that,
12: under-recognized threats.
3: Yeah, and that, that is absolutely brilliant, Marie, and, and uh, probably because I'm, you know, you're a plain vanilla white guy who's never had a problem voting, that hadn't occurred to me, but that's got to be a problem for people of color all across this country, um, that they're of encountering I am people one. Who don't want them to vote. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, therefore, they're so you would, th- you would think of it immediately. By the way, that same caller had you know was from Wisconsin, and I had asked, what's the deal with the Wisconsin legislature? And uh, during the break, somebody had sent me a note saying that uh, it's the State Assembly and the Senate, and there are 99 members to the Wisconsin Assembly, 33 members to the Senate. The Assembly's up for election every two years. The Senate is up for four-year terms, and there are 16 of them up this year. But it's so heavily gerrymandered that in 2018, 53% of all the Wisconsin voters voted for Democrats for the state assembly. But despite that, mm-hmm. the Republicans sent 63 out of 99 seats to, to, to Washington, D.C., which is mind-boggling. Marie, thank you. Thank you for educating me. Thank you for—that's uh, a really important point, and we should make, we should make it legal to, to bring a camera into a polling place. Thank you. I'm going to start pushing for that. I really appreciate that insight. Thank you, Marie. Hassan in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey, Hassan, you're on the air. What's up?
6: Hey, I'm calling about a caller who called a little while ago and asked about how the Supreme Court can step into a state's election and stop the count. And you said that you didn't see any real constitutional theory that they uh, could do that. And I read the Wisconsin case, and I don't necessarily agree with the theory, but there is a constitutional theory that the court did this on. And I want people to understand it just so that they get how we need to fight back on this. Uh, okay. The constitution under article two, section one says that each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors. And that's the key right. language. The, uh, in a manner as the legislature thereof may direct in Wisconsin, the state law was that votes had to be counted by the date of the election, or had to be received, excuse me, received by the date of the election. So the theory was that it was a federal court earlier this year that had extended that deadline, not the legislature. And therefore, right. says Kavanaugh, uh, and agreed to by the rest of the uh, Republican-appointed uh, court that that that's invalid. By the way, that also yeah, I, I
3: I read that in the decision. Kavanaugh said this should be the province of the state legislature, and and the federal courts should not be legislating from the bench. Essentially,
6: right. But but my point is that it's the constitutional theory here is that it says so in Article Two, Section One. And by the way, right. under uh, federal law, uh, it has to be done by the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November, November 3rd this year, coming up in just a couple of days, this could backfire on the Republicans if the court actually uses federal law as it's written, because Section 5 of Title 3 says that they cannot change the law after the date set for the choosing of electors. So Florida, for instance, shouldn't be able to then come in with their legislature change the law like they tried to in 2000 right. and say we have a new way of choosing electors
3: right I, way, i'm with you and that theory that that kavanaugh laid out by the way in the wisconsin case is literally the exact opposite of what the court did in 2000 in bush v gore
6: it, exactly and in fact he cites bush v gore and again turns it around um uh and and just a quick little uh, um uh, warning to minnesota voters this is where i live The Eighth Circuit followed that decision, the Wisconsin decision, just yesterday and throughout our seven-day extension of the time to count. So if you're in Minnesota and you mailed your vote in too late, please check it. Please check it. And if it has not been received, get yourself down there and turn it in in person.
3: Right, or if it's in the mail, go down and uh, assuming you can do this in Minnesota. Again, it varies from state to state. You, you can, but in many states, you can, states, you can you go can. in and you can you can cancel it, can't you?
6: You can. Well, you can you can't cancel it if it's been received, but if they have not received it, you can vote.
3: Right, and you vote, and then they when they look for it, when they get it, they will they will not count that particular ballot.
6: Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. check it. Make sure you get down there. And do it today. Don't wait.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. Thank you. Stephanie in Hopkin Park, Illinois. Hey, Stephanie, what's up? Okay. This law order president we got, it's people being told to defy the law. Down
8: here, you know, the governor has been shutting down certain places, including Kankakee County, where I live in, know, the bars and restaurants can't have indoor, you know, service anymore. We're having restaurants saying that they don't believe the governor, they want specific data, Proving that restaurants and bars and gyms are causing more problems, and they're refusing to shut down. The state is they, the state police have been going to different restaurants, trying to shut, you know, making these people shut down. And this is coming because the president is telling them, "Don't believe science. Don't believe your governor. If he's, you know, if he's um Democratic, he's probably, you know, uh, uh you know, got issues you shouldn't listen to."
3: And yeah, the Republican conspiracy theory is that, the, is that Democrats want to shut down the economy to hurt Donald Trump.
8: Yes, and see, the thing that's getting me is, I'm, I don't know how many, of your, how many of your other viewers are feeling this way. I'm honest, it's like I have a bipolar political situation going on here. I'm yeah, I want to have a feeling very hopeful because, you know, the, the voting, even in some of the towns in Illinois that never had lines. People are standing in line sometimes an hour just to get out there and vote. Not because they don't have enough, it's because the number of people that are voting has, like, tripled, and which makes me yep. feel really good, and a lot of young people. On the yep. other hand, I'm feeling really dreadful as to how we're going to have a decent transition, what kind of a is going to be called. So it's like, you know, I'm up at night wondering, even if we win, what's going to happen to us?
3: Yeah. And and nobody knows, Stephanie, but you raise all the right questions. And, you know, uh, let's not freak out. Let's just, you know, get through this calm and steady. I think our republic is going to be safe. Stick around.
2: You're listening to Tom Hartman.
3: Sam in Watertown, Wisconsin. Hey, Sam, what's up? Was it Haseem earlier talking about Wisconsin and our voting issues? Mm -hmm. He is
13: correct. The problem is is that our very gerrymandered, lazy Wisconsin GOP legislature that hasn't met in seven months hasn't done anything to change our constitution, which requires our ballots to be received by election day. And in April for the for the, primary, like the federal way. judge expanded it right exactly right. and and so the issue was the federal judge allowed the extra six days for our ballots to be received but because our legislature hasn't met in i believe it's seven months now to do anything um right. they they the, the supreme court basically had to go back to what our legislature uh, well they didn't uh, have to Sam <laughs> I mean there's
3: dueling there, there's dueling judicial theories or legal theories here the rationale that a federal court used to extend the time that as long as the ballots were postmarked before voting day before November 3rd that they could they could still be counted after November 3rd. It was the pandemic and public health laws that create exceptions to all kinds of things around national emergencies and crises, are well-established in American law, in common law, going all the way back to, you know, 400, literally 200 years before the founding of our republic, going back 400 years on this continent, and, and, and okay. go back, you know, in British common law, back to the 10th century. So, exactly. you know, they had a solid legal basis, and then the Supreme Court comes along and says, uh, you know, and Brett Kavanaugh, and, and by the way, the, the liberals on the court agreed with what I just laid out, and, and with the federal court that had extended your time. But, but Kavanaugh and the conservatives came forward and said, no, no, this is a legislative process that, this, that the state should be doing. Um, you know, and, and those are both legitimate positions. And the question is, which is more important? Is it more important to accommodate people during a time of emergency? Or is it more important to, to respect the integrity of a state legislature versus, versus encroachment by the federal government? And that's a coin toss you. at a certain level.
13: And, and the issue is that our legislator, legislature, um, because they haven't met, they've actually been taking our governor to court to fight anything he's tried to do to help with the pandemic. It's ridiculous.
3: Right. He being uh, Democratic Governor Evers, even Evers. though you have a Republican-controlled legislature, even though Correct. the majority, 46 exactly. percent of, of uh, excuse me, 53 percent of uh, Wisconsin voters voted for Democrats, uh, but you've got Uh, 63% of your congressional delegation uh, is, uh, or of your uh, uh, House of Representatives is held by Republicans, which is, uh, and 36 out of 60 in the Senate. And this is, as pointed out, and I'm sure you would agree, this is because of gerrymandering and essential cancer. It's got to be in there. So Exactly. Uh, I agree Sam, with him. Yeah. Do you see this resolving? Do you think there's a, a good chance that even with the, the gerrymandering, that the Democrats can win a majority in either body in the in the Wisconsin legislature?
13: Well, I'm hoping we can. Um, I'm in one of those districts where we are so gerrymandered that I don't know that if we'll ever get a, uh, anything other than a GOP candidate in here. But uh, we mm-hmm. keep trying.
3: Yeah. There you go okay sam thank you thanks for the call uh it, it, it's a fascinating time we're in it's an absolutely fascinating time uh, what a what a gift to be alive through all this we'll be right back it's 45 minutes past the end. you're
2: listening to tom hartman visit tom hartman.com for audio and video archives
3: richard in bellevue washington hey richard what's on your mind today
5: Before the big day aboard our SS Trumpistania here, hopefully not sailing into oblivion. (laughs) Indeed. Um, For some reason, I was filled with some intense dread yesterday, thinking through the scenario that would could happen, might happen, if these uh, people remain in the power that they have. They've never been in it to be able to win win the popular vote or win the elections, in my opinion. They've only been in it to be able to work it through the machinery that they have, through the chicanery, through the double-dealing and and cheating. And um, if they actually succeed in retaining, I worry about uh, a um, three-pronged, three-pointed... I worry about these these guys controlling the census for an ultimate gerrymander of of districts across the country. Number one, I worry about them going and installing in, deciding to go ahead and put in their pack the court with their own four or six judges. Nothing to say they couldn't probably go ahead and do that too. And number three. Um, the 34th state to be able to rewrite the Constitution. I think that they, they feel that they're probably never going to be closer to ultimate power as they are right now.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> pardon me. But they won't be able to do it now. The Convention of States thing. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, Richard. Uh, they are not going to be able to pull this thing off uh, over the very, very near future. What we have to be concerned about is the longer term Pardon me, the longer right. future. That's right. And just inhaled a little bit of coffee. My my apologies. And uh it's not COVID. <laughs> I hope that wasn't my fault. <laughs> and, not my fault. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, it's all good. I've been showing you. No yeah, yeah I, I, I think you're right on all those points. And and uh, you know, I would not despair though. I mean these are these are the reasons why we need to get active and remain active and, uh, you know, and do absolutely everything we can. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. Richard, thank you for the call. Chris in Portland. Hey, Chris, what's up?
11: What if, say, Republicans lose, you know, the Senate and the House and the presidency, but in this small period where they're all uh, dead meat, basically, if they try to cram through a whole bunch of crazy things, knowing that they got nothing to lose because they already lost,
3: they won't, if you're talking about through the through the federal legislature, they won't be able to cram yeah. through anything because we control the House. And you can't do, all legislation has to originate in the House, or at least all legislation that has to do with spending or appropriations yeah. or taxing. Okay. So well, I think that, we've got yeah. a firewall right now, Chris. I would be far more worried if, if the Republicans is, excuse me, had seized the House in the last election, but they didn't, you know, thank God. And uh, now it's oh. just up to us to take the Senate back. And it sure does look to me like the trend lines are moving in that direction. Chris, thanks a lot for the call. It's great to hear from you. Um, just in general, we all need to just relax a little bit. I, I realize you know it's a kind of a tough time and a tense time and nobody's really sure what's gonna happen and you know what do we do and how do we do it and where do we go and all these things. But let's just take these things step-by-step And, you know, step one, make sure everyone you know is voting and voting without using the mail. Lawrence in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey, Lawrence, thanks for listening to KTNF. What's up? I'm still a little nervous about this election. I'll tell you why. Because we all, especially as black Americans,
9: we all need to look back and read up on the Compromise of 1877. That was a compromise oh, where, Reps, yep, man, there was a compromise where, of course, Rutherford B. Hayes he won the presidency through the Electoral College because he was down by 20, 20 uh, electoral votes. The Florida, Louisiana, I think it was uh, South Carolina, uh, uh, they pushed him over the way. edge with the majority. Yep. Yep, exactly. With the majority from the uh, Supreme Court, but the Congress, the Congress made a compromise, and this is this is a mirroring what we're doing now. So, if Trump wins, there will be a great compromise, and if the Democrats don't get on board and say this is our compromise, we want to get rid of Mitch McConnell, we want to get rid of all the judges that he appointed. That would be the compromise because first of all it's like you just said in your last segment he's not going to give up he's not going to leave office and the democrats being he knows the democrats are being wishy-washy and they're they will always uh, capitulate so he knows he'll be he'll stay in the office and the democrats won't do anything about it and that's where we're going to have to have a compromise we need to be, we need to be prepared for Joe Biden to lose and to have a big compromise that will hurt them
3: yeah I I suspect Lawrence I you know I, I absolutely get what you're saying you're so you're so right about you know the compromise of, of uh, 1877 that, that you know stabbed in the back of uh, African-Americans and the whole idea of reconstruction you're absolutely right on that I'm more inclined rather than to compromise to to just go to war to go to battle political battle with these guys but we'll see we'll see how it shakes out Lawrence thanks for the call uh, very thoughtful call be good to yourself and the people around you. You know, everybody's on edge right now. Everybody's kind of strung out. Take some relaxing time and, and share some good words with other people. Tag your it. We'll see you tomorrow.
2: You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.